Welcome to Minerva's Creative Conversations. I'm your host, Minerva Salas, and I wanted to personally welcome and thank you for joining us today. We're glad you're here because this podcast is created for you. It is a podcast that informs and engages our audience to learn about the relevant news and developments of social issues that matter to them. This program will address social issues such as women's empowerment, diversity and inclusion, mental health, environment, and climate change. My special guest today is Valeria Allo. She's an award-winning author of Uncolonized Latinas, a groundbreaking new book that accelerates Latinas into spaces of influence and leadership. Valeria, thank you for being with us on the show today. Thank you, Minerva, so much for having me. Thank you. Now, Valeria, as the author of Uncolonized Latinas, can you explain to us the meaning behind the title of this book? So the idea of the book is to take a deep and authentic look into the cultural ways of thinking and behaviors that hold us back as Latinos in the U.S. particularly. We are immigrants, we're children of immigrants, and and we come from a different culture, a Latin American culture, a culture that was colonized, countries that were colonized, right? So that's still in our DNA, in our subconscious in a way, and it's influencing mm-hmm. our behavior. So the book looks into how do we unlearn all of that. So you are decolonizing the mentality. Yes. yes. Okay. Is the changing mindset is the feeling inadequate, the feeling lacking. Mm. We come from a culture of silence, right? Many okay. of us, particularly Latinas, were told that we should not rock the boat. It doesn't look good to talk about yourself. So things you know, uh, messages we receive from our culture that make us less effective professionally in the U.S. That's fantastic. So it's kind of building up more their self-esteem and building up their confidence as well. Yes, there is definitely a lot of self-doubt in our community, a lot of uh, feeling that Mm -hmm. we don't belong or what we have to contribute won't make a difference in a way. And we are now awakening that there are so many opportunities out there for us that we are not taking. We, you know, we, without us, without ourselves a lot, we hold mm-hmm. back from those opportunities or from being a little bit more, I would say, uh, aggressive into going after opportunities for our growth. So that needs to change because if you look at the numbers, the leadership and wealth gaps for the Latino community in the U.S., the numbers are really awful. There are not enough Latinos in leadership positions. McKinsey shows that Latinas mm-hmm. make half the salary, as you know, that a non-Latino white man makes. So the gaps are significant. And the goal of the book is instead of waiting for the system to change, what can we do individually and as a collective mm-hmm. to drive that change and to self-empower to step into those positions of visibility, influence, and wealth creation. That's amazing. Really is. Yes. Um, now, you have 20 years of experience in business development, marketing, and finance. And after working so many years in your career, you suffered a burnout in 2016. And that radically affected your life. And it discovered you to want to find a more fulfilled life. Can you tell us about the techniques and tools that helped you discover, clarify, and help you manifest your true purpose, like your true life purpose? 
Thank you for asking that question because that's uh, that takes us to a vulnerable space. 2016 was for me a moment of big change, but also darkness in my life. And to give you a little perspective, I'm a first generation to college. My father did not have the opportunity to go to even high school. My mom went to high school, but could not go to college because that was not, we're from a small town in Argentina, that was not available for them. For a woman back then, that's all that you could do, go to high school, that's it, at least in, in the small town where we come from. And so it was a poster child. You know, they were super supportive. They didn't have the financial means to pay for my education. So I worked full time to pay, you know, my, to pave, pave and pave my way through. Pave the way. <laughs> yes, through my education. Mm-hmm. It was hard, hard work. A lot of pressure also, yeah. right? To be the first one to go into those spaces. Of course. No idea. No roadmap, essentially. And that happens to many Latinos in the U.S. today. Right. No roadmap. So, so much hard work, so much pressure on myself. And also the self-doubt that I was not sure what I was doing was a mm-hmm. lot, a lot, a lot to handle. So, but again, I succeeded. I got my MBA in an Ivy League. I went into multiple corporate spaces, Fortune 500, global roles. Like if you saw my life from outside, it was like the perfect successful life or of a very accomplished woman. But it was very inside like not not feeling fulfilled but beyond that the pressure that I had and that I was putting on myself of course that's not sustainable and in 2016 I burnt out so it came to a moment that my life essentially had to take a huge turn because I started to have a burnout it's not only emotional it's also physical so I had heart arrhythmia I couldn't sleep. I had migraines. So you can't live like that, you know? So I had to take a radical, you know, change. And you were asking about what tools. I have to say that I had to, I was helped by the universe, I say, because I decided to take a break from work. I had to, I couldn't continue. I went to the gym. This woman hits me in the head with 15 pounds and I get a concussion. So I, I, and oh then I God. broke a foot. Yeah. And then I broke a foot a week later. So oh my goodness, <laughs> it was a trifecta wow. of, yes. So, but in a way, those, this, that series of events forced me to stay in silence, in darkness, in my house. I couldn't go out. I couldn't drive. So I had time to connect with myself and to look deep into how did I end up like this? Right. So, and it was not easy to see, you know, we are busy many times and we don't take the time to see, to look Mm -hmm. into how we hurt ourselves, how we expect so much of, of ourselves, how we have no compassion in a way for our own selves. So it was not easy to see all that, but it took that time of connection with myself with my own spirituality, my own essence, right? To uncover from that silence and that moment of connection what I really wanted to do in life, which is what I'm doing right now. That is a purpose bigger bigger than myself. But that that was the turning point for me, the moment of connection with myself, which we do not usually in the busy lives we have allow us to, to, to have. And it's so interesting because I think, you know, this recent 2020 with the COVID, it made a lot of people, obviously, they couldn't go anywhere, they couldn't travel, and they all thought, 
you know, why am I in this position? Why am I in this marriage? So many marriages fell apart. Many people left their jobs. It was like the great resignation last year because you were able to take the time to reflect what was working or was not working in your life. And you can't do that if you got so many things going on, right? Yes. So it was, it's almost like a blessing in disguise. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. So, and then you become like a wake up call. Wait a minute. This is happening. But what do I'm going to do to change it? So I think that one of the interesting tools that you said is to reflect. You have to go into moments of silence. We are so distracted right now with social media. There's TV with so many things. And if you don't take that time to kind of just say, what is it that I want? And what is my true purpose? It's not going to happen. So, yeah. I, you know, it happened for a reason. And now you're doing this rising movement, which is incredible. So. It's, yes. um, and you it know, was, it's part of your past. It was definitely meant to be. It was not easy. So I really believe, and this is something that I have gone through. As you said, every challenge is hiding a right. blessing. So when you go through the challenges, what's the learning? What's the lesson that I need to, to learn? And something that I have learned about myself and so many Latinas and women in communities of color in general, right? Uh, you know, is that and this is also shown by statistics in COVID that we were burning out faster than others. Right. So why right. is that? It's because we put others first. So mm. we are lacking self-love. We are lacking compassion for ourselves. But particularly, we were influenced to really believe that we had to serve others because putting yourself first is selfish. So, so many women feel guilty about and that that has been my journey as well feeling guilty about taking care of myself i'm a, I'm a mother i have two kids two teenagers i put myself mm-hmm. last imagine it was work and the home and the kids so it was always last and that's how i ended up burning out so but i have seen this pattern in so many women that we are right. hesitant you know because we have this natural tendency to really be caring for others but we forget that unless we care for ourselves First, there's nothing to give to others. From We right. have no energy. It's correct. That's correct. I mean, you see that also in airplanes. They say, give yourself oxygen first yes. before you give it to someone else, right? Yes, so. exactly. And mothers mm-hmm. will probably tend to do the opposite. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Many women. <laughs> yeah. Because right. you want to save others first, right? Let, let alone something happens to others and you did not save them. You didn't help them. It's awful. But really what we need to do is really understand that it is okay to take care of our, there is so much depending on us. And I really believe, as I say in my, as I say in my book, that Latinas are going to be driving a big change in this country, particularly because we're going to be 30% of the U.S. in 2060. And 30%, one third of the Latino population today is younger than 18 years old. Those mothers have so much influence in the future mm-hmm. of our community and the impact, because we're so many that we will have on the U.S. as a country, as an economy, that we have not realized the power we have as Latinas. But as we awaken to that and we go out mm-hmm. in the world, you know, being more assertive, more confident, taking those spaces of leadership and at home, having the influence in the mindsets of our children, we're going to be creating a huge change in this country. And it's very exciting what's going to happen very soon. 
Well, it's That's already fantastic. happening, actually. Yes. Right. It's actually happening. Right. It's happening. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good, good. You had mentioned women of color. Yes. Um, the book, the book's focus is to help accelerate women of color, right? Into spaces of influence, leadership, and wealth creation. How do you describe, for a lot of people out there to understand, how do you describe a woman of color? So specifically. Thank you for that question. It's uh, so hard. I find in the U.S. with so many labels going on. Yes. My sweet spot are Latinas. The sweet spot, my sweet spot of people that I help, and the book was written for Latinas. But then, okay. you know, as you know, let, being a Latino, that's not a race. Correct. Right. I so, know that. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's when it becomes very confusing. So because we have Afro-Latinas as well, right? That are women. Latinas. Yes. Asian Latinas. White Latinas. So being Latino is not a race. So what is a woman of color? And am I a woman of color? Because people ask me that question. Um, Are you a woman of color? And I'm super Mm. white. So am I really? I'm an immigrant. But I'm... So I haven't found the answer to that of am I really a woman of color? But I can tell you that... um, at the end of the day, I believe we need mm-hmm. to respect how every person wants to self-identify and right. how individually, you know, because those labels do not count. But if you ask me, what is a woman of color? To me, a woman of color is a woman that belongs to um, a sector of the population that is underserved, that hasn't had, that didn't have the attention, right? So the non-white the non-white population, you know, the, where the future is, where the need is to support them, to, to really take their lives to their maximum potential. The women of color can be Black, can be Asian, can be immigrants, can be born here, can be Latina. So it's a big, big, big mix. And it can be very confusing. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I always say I work with Latinas. That's the work that we do at the Rising to Air Movement. However, the message resonates with so many other women and everybody even men who the message resonates with are welcome, you know? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Cause I think, and you're right in the United States, there are so many labels yeah. and I think if you feed those labels, it's also creating some limiting beliefs to yourself yes. because when I hear words like underrepresented um, or you're disadvantaged, minority, you're basically accepting that you're less than, Yes. Do you know what I mean? So I think, like you said, we need to be able to know how we want to be addressed and say, you know, be confident in our own skin, but not always accept those labels. Because yes. when I think of women of color, I think of people who are not not white. You know, they are either mixed race, they're ethnic or African, Asian. Yes. And in the United States, they want to make, not everyone, but I, I sense that they want to make all the Latinos as people of color, which is yeah. not always the case. No, some are, but not all of them are, right? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. Plus, yeah. We need to acknowledge that white Latinos like me, I have a right. privilege. I know I have a privilege because of the way I look. I have a privilege. Mm-hmm. And then, but your uh, definition of a, what a person of color means, my definition, or if you ask anybody else, probably every person will give you a different definition because there is so much... Right. Because it's a country that labels people. And when I came to the U.S., I was asked, are you a Latina? And I said, no, I'm from Argentina. I thought that being a Latina meant you had to be born in the U.S. So it's extremely confusing even to us. Are you Hispanic or Latina or Latinx or Latin? 
Now, we don't know. I mean, so many labels, but the U.S. has that characteristic that I haven't seen anywhere else that I have been to in the countries in Europe or in Latin America, where mm -hmm. you are supposed to label yourself and put yourself in a box. And as you said that before, Minerva, it limits you, particularly right. when it has a connotation that you're inferior in any way. Correct. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it seems, though, that non-white Latinas uh, who are considered women of color, they have more obstacles and challenges um, yeah. since, you know, to or to rise in the United States, yes. since they may not be easily able to assimilate into white, you know, non-Latino communities or into corporate leadership. So yeah. I think what you're talking now is a lot of it is to get rid of the inadequacy, to get rid of the doubts, because to say, you, yes, you are good enough. You don't, you know, I always believe different does not mean better. You can yeah. be different, but does not mean you're better. Do you know what I mean? Yes. yes. So yeah. what I sense a lot of too, like you were also talking about, a lot of Tinas kind of hold back. They yeah. feel like they just don't want to shake or make a, make a noise. You know, they just want, they accept it or they feel I should just accept this. But yeah. I think when the moment you start building your confidence and knowing that I don't need to accept those labels. I don't accept any of those labels, by the way. Nobody even knows what I am. So I just let them guess. So it gives me a power because I'm yeah. not giving you the power. You know what I mean? Yes. So yes. I think it's so important um, explaining this to Latinas. Yes, we are different. We come in different backgrounds, colors, but you accept what you want to be called. Exactly. You don't put it in somebody else's um, power. So exactly. I think that's really crazy. Yeah, yeah, and to your point about Afro-Latinas particularly, you know, the journey of writing a book is very healing for the author as well. It's a journey mm -hmm. of discovery. And if you ask me, one of the top three key moments of learning for me in writing the book was connecting with Afro-Latinas and listening to their stories. Wow. And okay. I can tell you that half of the interviews that, that I had were very emotional. We cried because there is so much healing and that needs to happen in our community. We don't talk about what we have gone through. And Afro-Latinas particularly have been denied by the Latino mm. community and by the Black community because they do That's not correct. belong in any of those. And they, they fall through the... Yeah. And what it does yeah. to, to... I'll tell you a statistic. I love numbers. You can see. 25%... Yes. 25%... Numbers speak... Yeah. <laughs> numbers tell a story. Uh, 25% right. of Latinos self-identify as Afro-Latinos. It's a significant wow. number. And then when you take that portion, the 25%, those Afro-Latinos, and you ask Afro-Latinos, what race do you identify with? Then they have a choice, white, black. And you would say most of them would be either black, multiracial, multiracial. 49%, almost half self-identify with a white race. So then I ask Afro-Latinas, why do you think Afro-Latinos self-identify with the? Because that's what it does to you when you are denied. You have such a, such a, you want to belong, you want to be accepted, that you start identifying with a group that is not where you come from. It's because you right. crave to be, to belong in a way. So, how right. pervasive it's been for Afro-Latinos to be denied by Latinos and by, by the Black community because they couldn't fit in a box, what we were saying before. 
So a lot here to uncover and to unpack on that. But if you go to conferences, if you go to award ceremonies, Afro-Latinos are usually not recognized. Are usually absent. Amazing. Yeah. There it, is a it, you know, it became a big, right. It became a big controversy with the Washington Heights movie that many Latinos, Afro-Latinos did not feel represented in that film. Yes. I don't know if you knew about that. Yes. And um, because a lot of Dominicans, you know, they many of them come from Afro descent, some don't, but they felt that the Afro Latinos were not represented well in that film. So yes, yes. And that's, that's then yeah. turning the, the the tables a little mm-hmm. bit is as white Latinas, we have a privilege. What are we going to do with that privilege? And right. it's not about empowering anybody because we are not going to empower any black woman, any Afro-Latina, that's not our role. They have the power. But we have in our position of privilege and getting access to spaces where we go to because it's easier. I have to say, I thought I had it hard until I spoke to Mm -hmm. Afro-Latinas. Let me tell you. So because we have it easier and that's a reality, we can enter spaces and then open opportunities, create another seat at the table. Never talk about empowering somebody else. No, just open the opportunity, let them come in and they will do what they know to do very well because they have the power, the education and the preparation to do it. But that's what my my invitation to other white Latinas like me is, what can we do from a space of privilege to make sure that, because that's essential for our Latino community to have a common agenda that we work together we accept each other. We heal the colorism that we have, the division and the mm-hmm. competition we have in our community. And the first place to start is with Afro-Latinos because those have been the most denied in our community. Exactly, exactly. Now, speaking, going on the other side of the spectrum, uh, there are many immigrant Latinos or Hispanics living in Miami. We'll just use Miami because there's a very, you know, we know there's a lot of Latinos living in Miami. Yes. They are successful. They're educated yeah. and wealth and even wealthy. Yes. So how do you explain how these immigrant Latinos achieved influence, leadership, and wealth creation? You know, how were they able to do that? And so many Latinos in the North were not yeah. able to do it. It's about becoming a historian in a little, in, in, a, in, some, sen- in some sense. And I'm not a historian, mm-hmm. but I had to go and read a lot for my book to understand history and all the immigration waves. And so numbers show that immigrants from South America are generally more educated, had access to certain places and certain education compared to more than the Caribbean and Mexico, Mexico and the Caribbean. So numbers show that. So generally, and I'm generalizing, okay, this is a generalization, but the trend is, of course, right. Not everybody will fit into this, but the trend is that talent professionals people coming from south america come here for looking for an opportunity that was me i didn't come here uh running away from you know human trafficking war uh, poverty hunger so we come in a different level already with more access okay and okay population you know, immigration from other countries didn't have that opportunity. That opportunity. Many mm-hmm. Latinos who came from the Caribbean or Mexico, I have to say even Colombia, because I interviewed many people from Colombia or Venezuela even, they come right. from a different, they, you know, escaping in a way poverty, systemic poverty. And actually a friend of mine shared with me the other day that there was this study 
main, uh, running Colombia that says that you need 11 generations to move up oh to my entire God. social class in Colombia and in other countries in Latin Amazing. America. Amazing. So when poverty is systemic like that, and you mm -hmm. are hungry in your country, you come here with other perspectives. So that's where I see influences. But then, you know, if you look at each state, it has a different Latino composition. Even each state is different. But that's right. in Latino term what I've seen. Maybe you have a different experience. I feel that Miami is more like a connection, more, it's more Latin America than the, than the U.S., Miami, you know. Right. It's very, yeah. very Latin influence. Yeah. You know, I also, even with the Cubans, I think also the Venezuelans, the Cubans, um, I think they're more like political immigrants. They're not the economic immigrants. Yeah. So they're leaving countries, but most of them are already successful. Exactly. They're already wealthy. Yeah. They yeah. came with a business mindset. Yes. So when they came to the U.S., and a lot of them also were, they look European, right? Yeah. The first ones that came in, they look European. So they were able to assimilate easier Yeah. And to the U.S. society, as opposed to the latter ones that came from Mexico, I would say there will be economic immigrants yes. that they don't come from wealth. They come from hunger. They come from poverty. Like you just said, that's a systemic, yeah. you know, racism. So yes. you have two different types of Latinos. So I think, you know, when you look at Miami, you see so many successful Latinos. And then when you see other states, you're like, what's going on here? Yes. But because they come they came differently. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you just yes. said, especially from South America, you know, they already were educated. They already were, you know, business leaders and they yes. just came in and assimilated easier. So I find that kind of interesting how, um, and many of them, not all, but many of them don't even want to speak Spanish. Yes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. And you want to be also, so American. <laughs> exactly. And then you yeah. have also yes. uh, individuals with Mexican ancestry, right mm -hmm. in the in the southwest of the u.s and i was interviewing this latina and right. i said to her where is your when did your family come the, to the u.s yeah she gave me a reality check she said my family has been here forever this was our territory <laughs> and the u.s took it so you know and the I u.s know? took it yeah you okay. know so that is you know we are so mixed We're going to be continuously, you know, going into the, the mixed races. That that's that's going to continue to happen. So all this okay. trying to divide and label, it won't work anymore. And we're going to be mingling together even more. And I'm hoping to see that those Latinos that come from systemic poverty, running away from human disasters, yeah. right? Because right. I some of those. I interviewed even Latinas who crossed the border illegally and why they did it and what they achieved once they got here, because then they opened the business and they were very successful as well. Okay. So we need to connect with the human essence and understand the reasons why somebody does what they do. But also my hope is that one day, because this was something that I faced this week, I was talking mm -hmm. to, to a gentleman and I was talking about what I do. And he said, oh, that's great. Can I, can I partner with you in a way because I need servers and, and housekeepers for my hotel? Oh, my God. Talk about a label. And I'm like, no, the Latina women that I work with, we will want to own the hotel. Not only your that's right. dinner, but the full hotel. You know what I mean? So That's right. So there is that still bias. There is that image that our population has. 
right? So how do we break through that? It's on us. It's really on us. That is correct. It is on us. Yes, it is on us. It it is on us, but we we have to be aware that there is so much work to do and so much Mm -hmm. support to the younger Latinos because, you know, we have 20 million Latinos that are younger than 18 years old. 20 million. That's bigger than many countries in Latin America. Just that number. Or even other countries in the world. (laughs) Yes. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yes. So what advice can you give uh, a Latina to feel encouraged to take action, to thrive in a career and life uh, from a place of self-love and self-esteem? The first one would be go to the silence and to connect with with who you are. If you need to even Mm. make a list of why you're amazing, write it down, do whatever you need to do to connect with your power. Because yes, it's easier for us to feel lacking. We do feel lacking. We do feel uncomfortable with speaking up and having a different opinion. We were taught that we had to put our heads down, do work, and somebody would reward it. It doesn't happen that way. So we are uncomfortable. It's cultural it is okay to feel uncomfortable we are going through a big change right now but also awakening at the fact that we were influenced to play smaller by our own culture so that's a mindset change and the mindset change happens only inside of you so you need to talk to yourself in ways that no one ever spoke to yourself awaken your own power connect with how amazing you are you know mother yourself in a way that okay. you were not mother. You know what I mean? So the, the right. inner dialogue has to change to a space of possibility to yes, I can. And then that's not enough. The mindset change and believing in your power and believing you can do it and healing those cultural mindsets of limitation, it's important. But the second step is action. We need to take different actions. And I always say I recommend three areas for further development in the Latino community. Number one, learn to build your own brand. You are a brand. You need to put yourself out there. Talk about your successes, your victories. Show us who you are. Second, build a network of sponsors and mentors that are non-Latinos. Work with others. Ask for help. And that's what I do for my own Mm -hmm. business. Many of my advisors and mentors are white non-Latinos. So they understand the system, they know, right? And they can provide a different perspective. I'm not saying they have the right answer. They can provide a different perspective. They can provide connections. They can provide support and guidance that we sometimes don't have that roadmap within our community. So that's number two. And number three, learn to be uncomfortable and go through it when you need to negotiate your salary or your contract if you own a business. When you need to Mm -hmm. raise your hand because you have a different opinion, feels uncomfortable. Conflict negotiation feels uncomfortable, but we need to do it. Take a different action and start to do something different in any of those three areas and you will see an impact in your career. That's amazing. That's correct. I think that's wonderful. Well, Valeria, thank you for joining us today and for providing excellent advice in accelerating Latinas into a place of influence accomplishment, and respect. Thank Thank you you. so much, Minerva. Thank you. Thank you for this partnership and for this space to, to share my purpose and my mission. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. To learn more about Valeria's work, visit valeriaalo.com. Again, that's valeriaalo.com. And please do not forget to write us a review from your favorite podcast platforms. I am your host, Minerva Salas. And until our next show.